All right, well, welcome and Merry Christmas, everyone. We are so happy to have all of you with us today. Tim, how many people are here today? 94. Wow. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Um, you know, we are gathered here. We celebrate that um, some 2,000 years ago, um, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ became flesh and he dwelt among us. And, you know, Christmas is just a wonderful time of year as families are gathering together all around the world to celebrate the birth of Christ. We share meals with one another. We do plays. Maybe in your house you all gather together around the fireplace and sing Christmas carols together. <clears throat> you might just exchange a few gifts. You eat way too many cookies and that apple crisp. But for others, let's be honest, Christmas can be a difficult season. Maybe you've recently lost a loved one, so maybe this year you feel alone. Or maybe this year it's been really difficult for you financially or even relationally with someone that you love. Maybe Christmas this year for you is, well, just not what you had expected. Well, at the very first Christmas, Joseph, who was engaged to marry Mary, also went through a series of events that he had never expected that he was going to experience, and it certainly wasn't what Mary had expected either, as suddenly they were both confronted with an unexpected pregnancy, and they had no idea what to do. In fact, it required special revelation from God in order for them to know what was next. <clears throat> well, what they did know is that there had been a curse brought on to all of humanity. For after God had created everything and it was good, Satan showed up in the garden and we all know the story. He enticed Eve and then Adam likewise followed and ate from the forbidden fruit. And sin entered the world through one man, so also, the Bible says, death through sin. And at that moment, God intervened. For after seeing all that he had created, his perfect creation, God put forth a promise. A prophecy was announced in Genesis 3 that a woman would one day have a child. A seed, and that child would have the power and the authority to crush the serpent's head. Well, little did Joseph and Mary know that all these years later, God was going to use them in truly a miraculous way to fulfill his promise. And so God gives Joseph a dream about all that is happening and what he's to do about it. So open your Bibles with me, please, to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. And I want to read with you verses 18 through 25. It's a familiar story. I want to look at it from a different angle today, as this is the Christmas story through the eyes of Joseph. Matthew, chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is the reading of God's living word. 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Experts tell us that Everyone dreams every night. We don't remember them all, but we do dream regularly when we fall into a period called REM, rapid eye movement. It lasts normally up to about 90 minutes during your sleep cycle, and that's when you are most likely to have a dream than during any other period of your sleep. Our dreams can last anywhere from a few seconds to 30 minutes, and typically have between three to five dreams a night. Again, the problem is always the recall, but sometimes, sometimes they're very vivid and you can remember them. Katie remembers her dreams far more often than I can. Uh, in fact, sometimes I can carry a full conversation with her. But in scripture, we see God uses dreams as a means to communicate to his people. And he did so throughout the Bible. For instance, in the Old Testament, we see a king named Abimelech receive a dream not to touch Abraham's wife, Sarah. That comes from Genesis chapter 20. Jacob received a dream when he uh, ran away from his brother Esau, and he saw a ladder stretching up into heaven and the angels ascending and descending on it. And then that was followed by God's promise that Abraham's blessing would actually be carried through him in Genesis 28. And we all remember Joseph from the Old Testament. He is one of the most famous dreamers in all of the Bible. Uh, one time he told his family he had the dream the night before and that there were 11 stars symbolizing his 11 brothers. And he saw the sun and the moon, and he said, you wouldn't believe it. They were all bowing down to me. Well, that didn't really, they didn't really like the sounds of that. But God was setting things up for what he was about to do, and he spoke to them through a dream. Now, here in this dream, God is speaking through an angel of the Lord to this man, Joseph, in the New Testament. And if you think about Joseph, Joseph is really the forgotten man in the Christmas story. Of course, God in his providence would have me be Joseph <laughs> on this day. 
We sing lots of Christmas songs that include Mary and, of course, Jesus. Mary is seen throughout the life and ministry of Jesus in the scriptures. Even at the cross, Mary is there. However, Joseph, he just kind of disappears and fades away into the background of the story. We know he's there at the birth of Christ, but he's just sort of the background guy, and it does make some sense for, after all, he didn't have anything to do with the pregnancy of Mary. But he is very much a part of this family. In fact, did you know that in the entire Bible, there's never a single recorded word that Joseph speaks? I mean, we know that he spoke, but there's just no record of what Joseph actually said. So in these verses that we have just read today, there are eight verses that tell the story. The first two verses deal with what happens before the dream. The next four verses tell us what happened during the dream. And then the last two verses tell us what happened after the dream when Joseph woke up. And there are three words that sum it all up. And you'll see these in the back of the bulletin. They are confusion, there is clarity, and finally there is compliance. But let's look at the story again as it begins with Joseph's confusion. Joseph is just plain confused by the news that the girl that he loves and he wants to marry suddenly turns up pregnant. And no doubt it broke his heart. We are told this in verses 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and I'll explain that in a moment, before they came together, that is in marital physical union, she Mary was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. In two verses, Joseph goes from exuberance and excitement and such anticipation to bewilderment, from planning a wedding to considering a divorce. We don't know when Joseph got the news. We don't know exactly how the news was presented to him about Mary. But however it happened, his world surely came crashing down. Now, according to Jewish customs, there were two levels or stages of relationship before the actual marriage. The first stage is called the Kiddushin, which is the engagement. Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and that typically lasted for about a year. And then that was followed by the crescendo, the event itself, the hupa, which was the wedding ceremony, which often lasted for a full week long. So there was a year engagement followed by a week celebration of the wedding. Now, in those days when couples were betrothed, they couldn't decide to just break it off unless they got a legal divorce. They were technically legally married as it was a binding contract for the groom and for his family who would compensate the father or the family of the bride for the huge wedding expense that they would endure. And this was a security, a down payment in the event of uh, the groom just backing out. So you couldn't just break it up unless you had a formal divorce. 
The other catch was there was absolutely no physical contact during that one-year engagement. In fact, they rarely even saw each other. Uh, they were too busy working, planning for the wedding. There was no physical contact at all. So Joseph, you can imagine, was so excited to see Mary. That is, until he gets the news. Because he immediately thinks, and, and rightly so, wait a minute, that can't be my baby. And purity was, especially in those days, and still today in God's eyes, highly regarded as something sacred as to save oneself for marriage. So Joseph is confused, and I can only imagine his heart is broken. Now, Mary had a slight advantage. Uh, she was told by the angel Gabriel what this was all about. The angel appeared to her and said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And Mary asked the right question. She goes, uh, wait a minute. How can this be since I am a virgin? This is impossible. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Now, Joseph didn't have that visit. Mary did. All right. And so Joseph hears the news that his girlfriend's pregnant and he's panicked. Uh, he hears the news, and in verse 19, it says, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly or secretly. Um, Joseph had a couple of options on how he could have handled this. Option number one, he could have exposed her publicly. Um, and in those days, this would have involved exposing her to um, public shaming within the community, and even in some cases, she could be stoned to death. Option number two was he could privately divorce her. And that is where you are to take two witnesses. You're to bring a certificate to the bride's father, ending the relationship. The third option was Joseph could have just said, I'm going to bite the bullet, and I'm going to marry this girl. But he just couldn't get his head around that one, and so he's leaning towards option number two. But it says Joseph was a righteous man. He was a just man. And though he cared about his own personal life, he also cared deeply about Mary. And he loved her deeply. He cared about her reputation. So at the lowest point in his life, and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. This boy needs a drink. This boy needs to be put asleep by the great physician. And that's what happens in the next section. As we go from confusion to clarity, that's what this dream brings. Verse 20. But as he, Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And I just love this. He gets a personal pep talk by the angel of the Lord in a dream. All right. 
but there are a few components to this short little dream of Joseph. And the first component was uh, a recollection. The angel wants Joseph to remember a promise, a very important promise that had happened and who exactly Joseph was. Notice what the angel calls him in verse 20, Joseph, son of David. Stop right there. He's reminding Joseph that he is from the lineage of that great promise that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. You see, Joseph's family was part of that promise as he was from the royal house, the royal line of King David. And God had made a promise to David and to the nation of Israel that the Messiah would be born from his lineage through the tribe of Judah and that he would establish a kingdom that would rule forever one day. And he wants to remind Joseph, you're a part of this picture. You're part of the plan, Joseph, son of David. You are going to provide for this child as I have promised this miraculous blessing. So there's first this uh, recollection. The second component is an exhortation. The angel says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. He's actually exhorting him, stop being afraid. Because as Joseph is trying to figure this whole thing out, his thoughts were being controlled by fear. And, and what would people think of him? And worse, what would that mean for Mary? But the angel tells him to stop worrying and to trust in his God. And then we see an explanation, and that's the next component. The angel says, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, Joseph, you can't figure this whole thing out, but God did this. This is a God thing. This is a God thing. So that's the explanation. And, and then that is followed by another component of instructions. He, he instructs Joseph, listen to what the angel says in verse 21. She, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You get all three of those, Joseph? She's going to have the baby. You're going to name the baby. The baby is going to save the world. Right? You've got the easy part here, Joseph. I mean, you don't even have to think of a name. Here, here's the name, right? <laughs> All right, and so that is followed by clarification. Clarification. Matthew tells us in uh, verse 22 that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, and now he quotes Isaiah the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? Let's try it again. Which means what? There we go. There we go. In other words, uh, Joseph, this is all a part of God's plan. This is all a part of God's plan. He predicted this from the very beginning, and it's going down exactly like how he said it would. So we begin with confusion. We then go to the clarification. It's clarified in a dream. And then... Number three, and lastly, it's followed by compliance. 
Oh, I did. Complaints. There we go. <laughs> the last two verses tell us what he now did after the dream. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, meaning he did not have physical marital relations with her, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph woke up, and Joseph obeyed. And you know why he did? Because he believed that angel of the Lord. He believed what the angel had spoken to him. And I can only imagine it was such a relief to him as God gave him the necessary information that he needed. And when he woke up from that gene, man, he woke up so refreshed going, oh man, I am so humbled that I get to be a part of this incredible plan that God has from eternity past. And Joseph takes Mary, who's probably in maternity clothes at this time, because remember, Mary, after she had her vision, she goes down to Judea to go visit her cousin Elizabeth for several months. But when Mary returned, Joseph, I'm sure, found a rabbi. They got married, something quiet, no doubt. And Joseph says to Mary, I'm not going to even get close enough to touch you until after this baby is born. I'm not going to have any physical relations with you at all. I didn't want anybody even having a rumor that I had anything to do with the birth of this baby. So he backed off until after Jesus was born. So Joseph had this great dream, and now he's woke up from it, and now it's over. Listen, the dream was the easy part. What followed was difficult. Think about it. Mary and Joseph were given this incredible gift, a miraculous gift from God. But how did it start? Mary, uh, we want you to be pregnant, uh, unmarried, a single mother. Right? God didn't promise her a husband. But Mary said in faith, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I accept this gift. And what about Joseph? Well, once the angel showed up in Matthew 1, he called off the divorce. It said in verse 24, when Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did, as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took Mary to be his wife. And <clears throat> I wonder if both of them didn't expect, huh, God's got all of this. This is God's plan. Everything is going to work out perfectly i mean the angel gabriel actually says in luke chapter 1 verse 35 that this thing is all going to happen because the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you and so i'm sure they thought you know what this is all god's plans if he gave us this calling it's all going to work out perfectly and so they were filled with faith and they moved forward. But then what happened next in the story? Well, first they get a notice from Caesar. It's a nationwide census. Think of it as a Christmas card from the IRS. 
And, and now you have to go in person, no e-file, sorry, <laughs> register and pay even more in taxes. What a great way to start out your young family. Oh, and then the real kicker is you have to go to the city in which you are born in. Now, <laughs> just try to imagine uh, traveling pregnant on a donkey. All right? Some 80 to 90 miles. Your, your wife, who is nine months pregnant, can you imagine when he has to go and tell Mary this? Um, hey, sweetheart, how you feeling? <laughs> nine months pregnant, right? Nine months pregnant. That, oh, oh, good, because um, we got to take a little road trip. Um, where are we going, Joseph? Bethlehem. Bethlehem? That's 90 miles from here. I know, I know, I know, I know. And so now they're traveling this dusty trip. She's on the donkey. He's trying to make the best of it. And all the while, were they not thinking, God, we're trying to serve you here. What's going on? What is happening? Well, they finally make it to Bethlehem. And they're dusty, dirty. Surely they're tired, worn out. I'm guessing maybe just a little bit irritable. But Joseph assures Mary, and he says, you know, there's a nice little inn I know right up here up the road, and uh, we'll get you nice and comfortable so you can have this baby. And um, maybe I'll run you a nice warm bath, and we can get you clean and comfortable and set you up to have this precious baby that the Lord God has provided for us. And I can imagine he gets to the inn, He's praising God all the way as he goes and he knocks on the door. And what does the guy say? No, I'm terribly sorry, sir. There's what? No room in the inn. At this point, Joseph's got to be thinking, God, you didn't even book us a room? This is your child. This is the very son of God. And, you know, Mary... She might be thinking, um, what about Miss Highly Favored? The Lord is with you. The dream was the easy part. Reality of life can often be much harder. But as we close today, I want you to think about this. Uh, the Christmas story begins in a manger. Um, but what we celebrate today is not just that Jesus came, but that he died and he rose from the dead. And the hardest part of the Christmas story is the best part. Because 2,000 years ago, that baby would grow up from the manger in wisdom and stature of God and with men. And he will say things like, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. He will say things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was born in order to die. And he lived his life always having in view Calvary's hill and the cross. And this is the very place that he would be spit upon, 
punched with a big signet ring in the side of the face. He would have his beard torn out from his face. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was scourged within an inch of his life and nailed to a cross and left there until he died. And if you look at the life of Jesus from a worldly view, you'd be tempted to say, this is a terrible story. Um, how could have this had happened? I mean, this is unjust. And what about that plan? What about the promise? I mean, there was a promise. There was an angel, a dream. And now this, is this the end of that promise? And God would say, nope. This was the plan from the beginning. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus did that day on that Roman cross. You see, that prediction way back in Genesis 3 is that the serpent would bruise the heel of the Messiah, but the heel of the Messiah would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. That took place on the cross. The easy part was the dream. What followed was the hardest part, but the hardest part is the best part of all because of what it meant for you and for me. Jesus shouted on the cross, it is finished. It's done with. It's over. I have come what my father has called me to do. The work of redemption that the father has given him was accomplished. Sin atoned for. Satan was defeated, rendered powerless. Every requirement of God's righteous law fulfilled and satisfied every prophecy fulfilled and as Jesus bowed his head the scripture says he gave up his spirit Isaiah 53 6 through 7 says we are like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and he was afflicted Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Have you received the greatest gift that God has ever given to man? His son for the forgiveness of our sins. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, meaning we can't earn this grace, but rather it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It is my prayer that 
you didn't just come to enjoy a Christmas play tonight or that you just came because you wanted to hear a few words about Jesus as a baby in a manger and feel good inside today. But it's been my prayer and hope that God's Spirit will open a heart tonight. Open ears to hear and eyes to see, to have a yearning to cry out for new life in Christ. Jesus was far more than that cute baby in a manger, but the real Jesus of Christmas is the one who bled and died for you on the cross of Calvary. He died in order to make you a new creation in Christ. That's why he came, to save his people from their sins. I pray that God's favor rests upon you, and Merry Christmas to you all. And would you please stand? I think the worship team has one more great uh, gift for us to do tonight. Thank you. Okay, so we have a, um, most everybody has a candle in their hand.